What is up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast. My guest today is Ken Alamo. Ken, how you doing? Doing awesome, man. Beautiful day. Beautiful outside. Mm. Loving life. For sure. Awesome. I love that. So, uh, like our other recent guest, Sean Lopez, you and I met at Run On at their resolution run on January 1st of this yes. year. 2021. There you go. And... Uh, you were there to do a little bit of metabolic testing. Correct. So we got to talk a little bit about that then and talked a little bit since. And so we're going to discuss more about that today and the uh, the benefit that it, that can provide to not only endurance athletes, but uh, potentially other athletes as well. So um, if you will, give us a long or short breakdown of your personal background, academics, uh, professional life and all of that. All right, so um, I'll, I'll try to make it real short, but I find it interesting and some people do, but if you find it boring, then close your eyes for a couple of seconds <laughs> and just uh, take a little break. But uh, my last name is Alamo, first name Ken or Kenneth. Um, I was actually born in England and uh, there till I was 10. So I, I don't have a British accent anymore because I left when I was 10. Mm-hmm. Um, went to the Philippines for five years, went, came here to the States when I was 15 for another five years. And then I went back to England for five years after that. So I was 25 at that point. And then I moved back here to Dallas. So I got married when I was 24, got married, um, moved back here to Dallas and been here since, except for the last two years I was in the Philippines. Um, so that's a little bit of the personal life. So I, again, I find it interesting, but because yeah. well, I got to travel. I find that also interesting because I grew up in the Philippines, right? So um, that was one of the unique things that, that we were able to talk about the first time we met is like my parents were missionaries. We moved there when I was six. Um, we were there for three years, came back to the U.S. for a year, and then spent another four years there. So I was there um, basically until high school. So, so you, he he's more Filipino than I am. I only, I only spent seven years there total, but I got the I got the blood, but it doesn't really matter. It's funny. I'm Pinoy through and through. Man. <laughs> and uh, if, if and I did mission work as well. I did mission work for around fifteen fifteen twenty years, just wow. combined, just around the area as well as traveling around the U.S. and traveling around Europe. Did a lot of mission work around Europe, uh, even if I was there for only five years, traveled around a lot. Nice. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, professionally, people say, Ken, what did you graduate doing? I, I, was, a, I was actually a speech therapist, graduate speech language pathology. Mm-hmm. And while I was going to school, I went, I, when I was 21, I didn't go back to school. I went to England and then I just started working right away. When I came back when I was 29 years old, I was like, I need to get my degree. And I uh, looked at speech therapy and I was training full-time at the same time. With personal training? Personal or... training. Gotcha. I was doing personal training, going to school full-time, 12 to 15 hours. Mm-hmm. And I had two kids. Wow. That was rough. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed training so much that I, after I graduated, um, <laughs> I haven't practiced speech therapy. But I can say I know a lot about the anatomy of the upper upper part of the body and it all connected and it made sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you know a little bit about the diaphragm and, yep. uh, and a little bit about 
respiration and things like that, which I'm sure is yeah. really useful for what you're doing now. But. It, it was fun just learning about that stuff and connecting it to my actual training. So I was able to coach a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've been tra in personal training now for around 11, over 11 years. Nice. And I delve very deep into the education side of things and not just training, mm -hmm. which will go into what I do now. Um, and me just wanting to be different. So over the past two years, uh, over the past year, um, everyone went virtual training and mm -hmm. very few people went in-person training. And uh, coming back here, I got back here in June, I wanted to be different as a trainer. And you know, there's a lot of trainers out there and everyone going virtual, you, everyone's doing Peloton, everyone iFit, and everyone's going an online trainer style. Yep. And I was thinking, what can I do to be different? Mm. And so I went back to what I was doing five years ago and I went, I was the manager over the metabolic programming at a, uh, another big gym. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, I said, that's what I know. That's what I was great at. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I enjoyed educating clients on mm -hmm. for the long term and even educating other trainers to do it as well. Yeah. And so got into now and I'm into metabolics. Awesome. So perfect. We'll talk about that a little more. Yes, well that's a perfect segue. So for those who have no idea, like what the heck is metabolic testing? I'll it's well, metabolics in general, we're talking about your energy system and how your body uses your energy systems. Um, so I'm gonna talk primarily today about your um, your fat and carb usage through your body. I might use sugar instead of carbs. Mm -hmm. So I'll use that interchangeably. And but sugar's that. I was kidding. Well, that's it. Right. Glucose. Glucose, well, we'll, we'll that's, a, that's another topic. We'll, 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 we'll get a, uh, I don't even know what it's called. Someone who does the diabetic side thing. Oh, you know, like, a, like a diabetes Blood educator sugar, or yeah. a dietitian or... Yeah, we'll get one of those one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but metabolic testing, um, I measure your oxygen versus carbon dioxide usage. Mm -hmm. And from that, I can produce a meal plan, a, a cardio program based on your metabolism, not just something that you can get online, you plug in your numbers. So a lot of the a lot of the programming now has been based on on uh, on math. Mm -hmm. What's your gender? What's your uh, how old are you? Mm -hmm. Are you um, what's your weight? What's your height? Yep. And from there, this is how many calories you should be eating. And instead of your your science, so there's a couple of things that will affect how you burn sugar versus fat. I'll go ahead and delve into that. Mm -hmm. um, so four things, four main things. There's a lot of things, but I'm gonna narrow it down to four to make it simple today. Your stress level, your nutrition, your hormones, and your exercise history. All of those will have to work in conjunction with each other to make sure that your metabolism is, metabolism is working right or wrong. And then we, what do we need to fix whichever part to make sure you're doing the right thing for your body. Gotcha. So, uh, those variables that you were talking about beforehand, like uh, gender, age, height, weight, um, those are variables that I use to uh, to get a predicted maintenance level. So, right. 
the difference, so like in my book, The Self-Reliant Diet, which I should have a copy of so I can show everybody uh, and shamelessly plug, uh, but I do not because they're all over there. Anyway, I use uh, the Harris-Benedict equation, which uses those specific variables, um, but what, what I'm working with at the end is a prediction, Correct. right? So it's, it's uh, they developed this equation and, and it's, it spits out a number that's going to give you a an estimate about your basal metabolic rate. And then from there, you have to multiply that by an activity factor, which is again, another estimation. Correct. And what I end up with is a predicted maintenance level of calories. Uh, from there, I have to then adjust either up or down depending on a lot of different things how the client feels their training intensity their rest and recovery uh changes in body comp changes in in the scale and so it's a, it's a lot more moving pieces so uh you can do it that way for sure and because i do it honestly but i don't come out with a specific number right away the, the calorie the calorie caloric burn you'll be within 250 it's calories pretty accurate it's not too bad yeah um where the metabolic the resting metabolic assessment so there's two assessments that i do resting metabolic assessment and active metabolic assessment okay so the resting metabolic assessment will actually do that and it will also this is where it gets more interesting you'll see how many calories you burn um on fat and how many on on your carbs gotcha. as well mm -hmm. and from that you can produce a a better meal plan. Mm -hmm. So for example, for someone who is a high fat burner, that means they have their stress level under control, they eat well, uh, we can, you can probably put them on a, you know, 40%, 40 to 50% um, nutrition plan for carbs, mm -hmm. and then split or try and divide. But there you can, and for someone who's a high sugar burner, like me, mm -hmm. I need to put myself on a lower carb diet, which is gonna be around the, you're looking at the 40, 35 to 40% carbs. Mm -hmm. And that's the, when I met with a dietitian about this, after I submitted my report, that's what they kind of gave me. Gotcha. Because I need to measure my, um, my sugars as well. Yeah, you gotta keep that under control. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of that is, uh, chicken or the egg like there's some people who like you can you can adapt your your metabolism to run on different sources of fuel more so than others Correct. right so if you otherwise this whole idea behind adapting to a ketogenic diet wouldn't make sense right um, and I'm not even a huge fan of that per se but if you eat a lot more fat then your body will eventually figure out, hey, uh, we're getting a lot more of this, so we should probably upregulate the processes and enzymes that break down fat, right? So if you're eating a lot more carbohydrate versus eating a lot more fat, your body's gonna tend to wanna, in general, use one source of fuel more than the other. However, how does that play a role into different levels of exercise intensity, right? It, well, your exercise intensity has to reflect what you're doing as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
I'm a soccer player, I've always been a soccer player, and I train like a soccer player. So if I'm gonna be training like a soccer player, a lot of sprints, a lot of bursts of energy, my body's gonna recruit the first thing, my body's gonna use the first thing it can recruit as fast as possible, mm -hmm. which is um, which is a sugar. Yeah. I always like to give the example of if you have a fire burning and you hold the marshmallow on top of the fire versus a piece of bacon or chicken, which one's gonna burn faster? Of course, the marshmallow. Right, all of us have gone camping at one point, and uh, yeah, that's a stressful situation comes up. Whether it be soccer, whether it be um, finals, finals week for people in school, yeah, um, you're anything that you're doing, stressful situation. Your body's going to use that sugar, mm -hmm. and then you're going to it's going to crave to replenish the sugars back. That's yeah. why a lot of the high intensity sports you need to have a fifty to sixty percent carb ratio yeah um yeah so that's the intensity is what you're talking about yeah. um the way you train will reflect what you're going to be craving and how you should feel your body depending on what you want depending on your goals mm -hmm. so yeah a lot, of, a lot of moving parts for sure there is and and i want to make sure that uh people understand like there's a ton of individual biochemistry going on like there's no one proper way to eat and uh i'd say every body is different for sure everybody's different in their like we said body chemistry their stressors in life mm -hmm. their hormones will be changed mm -hmm. depending on how many kids they have or they don't have any kids yep um and so we have to find a, a fine balance you can't do i can't do what you do you can't do what i do because mm -hmm. we're going to be different for sure somehow yeah. Right. So. No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I think uh, the idea that uh, that there's one set way to eat, like I, I, I get somewhat bothered when, uh, especially nowadays, so many endurance coaches are like, "We got to get you fat adapted. We got to get you keto. You got to." got to eat keto if you want to finish that Ironman or you want to finish that marathon. Like anecdotally, I'm, I know tons of people who have had a lot of success on keto. Uh, but anecdotally, we can also look at who's run the fastest times in the marathon, who's done the fastest times in the Ironman. And even at those long events, they're consuming a ton of carbohydrate. Like the diet of these East African runners is 60 plus percent carbohydrate yeah and, and they're using that over the course of the marathon right um and in their training well this going into their threshold because they, they're training their threshold that way yes but so the level of intensity comes into play big time even though the duration and the volume of training is quite high they're not going out for a jog i can see how this can be so confusing for a, a regular person who doesn't delve into this day by day for sure and that's why i mean <laughs> talk to you about it talk to me about it and let's dive you in slowly and delve into it but all of this has to take into effect can i back up real quick definitely on um coaches i'm gonna say this because they're coaches that i've said this to their players we have a game tomorrow eat spaghetti tonight mm. But you and I know 
if that's not the way you've trained your body to eat and train yeah. over the past at least three to four weeks, then you're if you just eat if that's a lot of spaghetti of food, the day before, yeah. Yeah. your body's gonna say, "What the heck are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, you haven't trained that way. So if you're gonna eat spaghetti, say eat spaghetti for the next three or four weeks, and you train every day at a high intensity, yeah. and you teach your body how to burn the sugar versus the carbs, then you might be okay. But please don't just out of nowhere say eat a lot of spaghetti tonight okay. because you have a game and you've never talked about it so anyways do you like do you i like the office the office i have seen it i i, I do yeah. like it though all right so there's an episode where <laughs> where michael the boss puts on a 5k okay to uh raise money to cure rabies you random by the way go ahead yeah it's fantastic and immediately before the run he has Dwight, his assistant to the regional manager, pick him up some fettuccine, Alfredo. And he eats like a giant plate of it right before. And <laughs> right before. Right before. And he feels pretty darn awful. <laughs> but he's like, as he's eating, he's like, got a carb load. Like, and so that just reminded me of that. Like you your body and your gut microbiome will adapt to the things that you give it on a relatively consistent basis. Consistent basis. So if if you're not used to eating a high amount of carbohydrate or a high amount of fat, and then you all of a sudden introduce a large bolus of this, then, uh, but, and then the microbiome is not ready for that. And that's why it's called training. Training, you're not just training physically, mm. mentally. You're also training physiologically and your nutrition has to be trained as well. I totally agree. So yes, we can go on and on. It's just awesome. fun stuff, man. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about, you said there's two types of, of testing that you do. Correct. Um, let's talk a little bit more about some of the other different types of testing. So do you do like VO2 max testing? Do you do like RMR testing? Do you do lactate threshold testing? And what are some of the differences? Okay. So the resting metabolic assessment is the RMR, mm -hmm. so resting metabolic rate, mm -hmm. uh, where we deal with more nutrition, how your body burns fat versus carbs, uh, doing nothing. Yeah, that's at rest. At rest, doing nothing, mm -hmm. you sit down for 10 to 12 minutes, mm -hmm. and then we measure that, mm -hmm. and then that's it. And that's using uh, indirect calorimetry, so it's measuring oxygen and carbon dioxide. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. Correct. And how your body metabolizes that stuff. Sweet. Um, it's chemicals. And the other one, which is honestly more exciting for a lot of people, is their active uh, active metabolic assessment, where you get your VO2, I like to call it threshold, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily peak, because there's a peak, the, the peak where you're, you're about to die. Um, <laughs> people uh, don't like to test to that level, no, do they? They don't. Once they get to a 100% <laughs> sugar burn, that's really all they need. Yeah. Uh, for the sake of testing, that's uh -huh. that's really all they need. RPE ten. Yes. Well, on a scale of one to ten. RPE rate rate of perceived exertion. Yeah. Okay. Once you Wait. feel like you're tapped out, you can go a little bit more. Yeah. But most people. But most people can. So once you get to a one point oh, one hundred percent sugar burn, mm -hmm. and I, I say, I continue to get them to push, and if they're if they're physiological, if they physiologically have not met the 100%, then it becomes mental mm -hmm. or lack of training. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What do we need to do to get you there? Mental conditioning or physiological? Physiological. So, yes. Very exciting. So I take a look at those <laughs> and I make sure that I prompt them that if they don't get the 100% sugar burn, I will not stop the test. Mm. They will push harder. Now, otherwise we have to redo the test. We have to continue to train to get there. Mm -hmm. And so they fight a little harder to get there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so anyways, they don't want to do it again. Yeah, they don't want to do it. <laughs> Actually, they do want to do it again, but in a couple of months to see how they've changed. Okay, but, cool. So, so going back to the <laughs> metabolic metabolic testing, I look at the VO2 threshold. Um, from the VO2 threshold, I'll be able to push their their lactate threshold. There, where the there's a point where your fat burn and your sugar burn cross. So you're normally in the beginning of your training, you're at a higher fat burn because it's less stress. Lower intensity. Lower intensity. Mm -hmm. And as for, it gets harder, I'm gonna pause you right there. So for those who maybe don't understand either the energy systems or, or the way that the body metabolizes and breaks down fat versus carbohydrate, um, glucose or sugar can be metabolized uh, under situations where there's not oxygen or where there is oxygen, right? So you have aerobic and anaerobic glycolysis. With fat, you can basically only utilize that effectively when there's oxygen present. Correct. So your basic energy systems, you've got your ATP PC system or your phosphagen system, and that's completely anaerobic, but it's tapped out within, let's say, 10 seconds or so. So that's right. like a max effort sprint, 100 meters, or some sort of like a max effort deadlift, something along those lines. You're not really you're not really using sugar or fat at that point. It's just ATP that's already within the muscle, or that's ATP that's broken down into ADP that's then rephosphorylated via uh, phosphocreatine or um, Anyway, we're getting a little too deep. So that's that. That's that system. After that, now we're talking about anaerobic glycolysis and aerobic glycolysis. And anaerobic glycolysis is like ex almost exclusively sugar. If we're talking about the the fuel substrate, aerobic glycolysis we can do sugar or fat. The longer you go, the more it's gonna shift towards that fat. Or the lower the intensity, the more it's gonna shift towards fat. So correct. Sorry. So high, higher intensity, you're gonna go. It starts to switch. There's always you're always gonna be burning both for the most part. For the most part, you're always gonna be burning fat and carbs. Yes. So lower intensity, high fat. Lower intensity, uh, lower intensity. So lower intensity, high fat, and lower sugar. Mm -hmm. But as you start to increase, that starts to cross over. Yeah. So that's your uh, that's that's your not a threshold but it's your um it's, it's the crossover point yeah that's the point at which it's intense enough that you need carbohydrate as a source of fuel because that's produced faster correct so the higher the intensity the more you need fuel these atp to be resynthesized at a relatively quick rate fat is super efficient at delivering atp per gram it just takes a long time and it needs oxygen. Yes. So uh, you're, if you're at a lower intensity and then slowly working up, then the amount of fat that's being used begins to drop because your body's like, hey, 
we've got to keep fuel in the tank here and it's not coming fast enough from fat. So now more of it's coming from carbohydrate. And that then results in an increase in, in metabolic, metabolic byproducts from anaerobic glycolysis, which results in the end product being like hydrogen ions, which are acidic and which then can cause some fatigue. He's smarter than me. I'm, 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 I'm saying this right now. I think he's just flexing his brain muscles, man. No, no, this, is, this takes me back to uh, this is like grad school. And by the way, I'm learning stuff as well. So keep, keep going. I mean, I've heard this before and just going back to it again. I love it. We could probably talk every day. I would love that. Now, for the, for the simple, for the simple, for the simpler person, um, let's say someone has never worked out in their life or you know, very little yes. and they're starting to walk, they're starting to run. They'll be walking at a 3.5 and they're burning good fat. Yes. Once we bring them to a 3.8, 3.9 miles per hour, mm -hmm. then they start stressing out a little bit because they're not used to that. Mm -hmm. That could be their crossover point. For sure. Right there where they feel like rate of perceived exertion, they're at a seven out of 10, seven, mm -hmm. eight out of 10. As you train yourself at a higher intensity for a short period of time, you start to test your stressors out a little more. Mm -hmm. Now that crossing point can eventually go from a 3.8 to a 4.0 over time. For sure. So you can train that way. Now that crossover point, you continue to train and you start losing weight and you start eating better, start breathing better mm -hmm. because you're lifting weights as well. There's a good balance of that as well. Your mm -hmm. posture is better. Now your threshold gets to the 4.2, mm -hmm. 4.3, 4.4. Now they realize six months into their program, I can run now and I feel the same that when I was walking at a 3.5 right. heart rate. So from the active metabolic assessment, I could see those numbers scientifically, mm -hmm. not just how you feel. And then you can see it move forward. And a lot of people take a lot of pleasure in how they feel and what what's happening but when we see it scientifically in what's happening after we do an actual test mm. and then you can see there's a graph that i have i can produce your first test on january 1st next test is feb 14 and then you see that change mm -hmm. that's fun for a lot of people to see yeah without without that data like if you just go out and you're, you got like, when I was in high school and college, we didn't have GPS watches. They were starting to come out, they were huge and they were really expensive. All I had was a regular stopwatch. I could do laps, I could do, that was pretty much it, right? So um, if I didn't know the exact distance of a route, then I was basically just guessing at my, at my pace. And so the only way I knew if I was getting more fit is really, fine races yeah did my time change for my 8k or 10k for cross country and then indoor and outdoor track my races were different but for so many people like the average everyday person and even the athlete who's not training to just run swim or bike how do you know if you're getting better or not without some some measurements right Great. so i think getting getting these type of test done, getting metabolic testing done can be really, really beneficial for, let's say the team sport athlete 
because now you've got concrete data in your hand that you can look at and say, okay, it's been six weeks since the last test, and this was your VO2, and this is what it is now, or this is your lactate threshold, this is what it is now, and you can, you can determine, okay, like if everybody on the team is trending upwards, then you know your programming was done correctly. If half the team is improving and half the team isn't improving, then you gotta figure out like, okay, is this a position specific issue? Is this, you know, what's going on here, mm -hmm. right? So I think these kinds of tests can be really, really awesome for team sports. Um, you can also look, you can also look at it from a point of what if, what if I'm not getting better mm. and what's wrong? Mm. So with this, you can see actually the limiters. What are the limiters? Is it mental? Mm -hmm. Is it your breathing? Is it your, uh, is your cardiovascular that you just can't? Yeah. Um, are you not pushing yourself enough? And f for example, if your goal is weight loss, we have clients who their goal is weight loss mm -hmm. and they're not losing weight, but, but their metabolism is getting better. Mm -hmm. I have this, I mean, we have this saying that you want to get better from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And so if you're inside, your metabolism, metabolism is getting better. Sooner or later, the outside will start showing that as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of those things. Uh, you might be getting more fit, you might be getting stronger, but the scale's not saying it. If that's your only measurement is the number on the scale and not necessarily your changes in body comp, then that can be, you know, Correct. that can be really like the scale won't change. Well, that's because the overall weight hasn't changed, but your fat mass has decreased, your lean tissue mass has increased. So there's there's a point at which you know, if you're doing things correctly, maybe things look like they're stalling, even though composition-wise, the ratio of things inside you is changing. Yes. So these, um, that's an, another useful, uh, you know, source of data. And, and I do have those reports that come out with that. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to see when people are changing. And uh, the test can do two things. Number one, it can encourage the, the client. Um, and it can, if they have a trainer, if even if it's not my, my client, I'd do it for your clients. Uh -huh. um, two things you can do to the trainer really, it can encourage the trainer to, and give them the focus, what they, what percentages they should be doing, a HIIT workout, a cardio workout, a strength workout. I can actually produce that report as well based on their goals. That actually has that as well. Mm -hmm. Or the other thing it will do, and this might scare some trainers, it could expose the trainer. Is a trainer really doing the best thing for the client <laughs> long term? Because if you test, so if I test your client, sorry, I'm going to put you in the hot seat. If I test your Please client do. today, six weeks later, I test them again and they're getting worse. I'm like, Kevin, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you don't get there, but you know, and it can happen and it's scary for some trainers. Mm -hmm. And I've had clients before that I have not gotten better. Yeah. And I scratch my head, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. And so I, I have to adapt my program to my clients' needs. For and sure. Not just because client number one did it, client number two, three, four, five can do it as well. Because everybody is different. For sure. That was one of the things that, uh, that Sean and I were talking about is uh, assessments. And if you're not assessing, then you're guessing. And if you're guessing, then, you know, like maybe this will work. Maybe it won't. Maybe, yeah. may, you know what? You're coming to me for strength training. I'm just going to give you a general strength training program. Like, well, 
as a triathlete, maybe that's the exact opposite of what Just go mean. online and look it up then. Exactly. So if you're not doing some sort of assessment, then you don't know your limitations. And uh, this is used a lot in business, but uh, I think it fits perfectly with you know what, what we do. And it's the idea of uh, whatever gets measured can be managed, right? right? So what gets measured gets managed. If you're not measuring something, then you have no way of managing it, adjusting it, adapting, correcting. Uh, uh, law of the numbers, right? Love, love, love the scoreboard. Exactly. So John Maxwell, plug in. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So let's talk a little bit about endurance athletes specifically. Okay. Uh, that's the that's the majority of adult athletes that I see here. Um, marathoners, half marathoners, triathletes, uh, whether they're doing sprint triathlons or they're doing, you know, Ironman distance. Yes. Um, what are some of the specific benefits that uh, this type of testing will provide them? Because they're do they they see a lot of data already, right? Yes. Their Garmin's telling them a bunch of stuff. If they're inputting all of their stuff to Strava, that's going to kick out some data for them. Um, their coach is probably tracking things. So what additional benefits does this provide? Um, is it, uh, let's, okay, so let's also talk about some of the limitations of say a GPS watch, uh, heart rate monitors, these activity trackers, how accurate are they? Because a, a lot of them, honestly, a lot of better them now, than nothing. Better than nothing, a lot of them actually have a lot of AI stuff in them. Mm -hmm. So as you run for three or four weeks or three or four months, your numbers Gets start to more change. Accurate. Your your numbers start to change because they are they're they are getting more accurate. Yes. If you're just looking at the numbers that way. Now, what this can help with, what are your limiters? So you'll see a lot of runners, and you probably know this, a lot of runners, cyclists, their posture is bad, mm -hmm. which also affects their breathing. Yeah. So Based on that, if I get this report and it says their breathing cognition is at 40% instead of a 60%, if you work on their posture based on this, mm. you can make that adjustment and mm. we can see that score go up and down mm -hmm. uh, based on what you're trying to get them to do. Gotcha. So it will give me that kind of report that goes in with it as well. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at the limiting factors and typical for endurance athletes will be their posture and breathing. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so this type of like of testing has been the the basic metabolic testing has been around for long, long time. I get you. It's almost only exclusively done in like an academic or research setting. Correct. So most they clinics, can... hospitals, mm -hmm. um, there are some quote unquote bigger gyms or night Gucci you know, gyms that will have it. Yeah. Um, but you and I know that 90% of the people do not walk in those kind of gyms. And so my goal was to quote unquote uh, evangelize in, wellness, in a wellness setting mm -hmm. and bring this out to them. This is the one of the few or only mobile, truly mobile um, metabolic analyzers that you can get on the market. And there's very few people and even trainers that know how to use it properly. Gotcha. So that's what's amazing is it was almost exclusively in the research setting where all of these variables could be 
extremely controlled, right? They needed like all these big tubes and tanks to to collect all of the expelled air so that they could measure the oxygen and carbon dioxide and they needed all this other stuff and you know you had to it was just all very cumbersome and and uh, it was a big deal yeah. to get this stuff done. So uh, now, basically, everything is coming in a in a box, right? This is like this is a briefcase. It's like a briefcase, uh, and uh, this is the machine. Wow! It comes in and then it that's incredible. Analyzes data. I mean, think yeah. about it. This is this was the size of our phones before, right? Yeah, for right. those for those who are listening, y'all need to get on YouTube so that you can watch this. But this looks right, like four inches, four inches high. It looks like two by two. a square can of soda, right? Or like a like a can of food. Right. That's basically the size of it. Yeah, like a can of beans, but it's square. Right. Yeah, uh, a square can of beans. A square can of beans. Yeah, and uh, it gets the same data that when I was working at a bigger gym before. Mm -hmm exact same data actually the reporting I'd say is even better wow. because technology has gotten better right just remember this this was the size of our phones and now look at the size of our phones now exactly uh, the size of the metabolic analyzers that I went to at certain locations when I was trying to market myself as well they say oh we have one I looked at it it's around it's as big as a briefcase yeah um, with the big tubes that uh -huh. connect to your face and when you're running on the treadmill, it doesn't feel comfortable. This is a backpack, by the way, you put on your back when you're running on the treadmill. Uh -huh. uh, you can actually do it on the bike as well. Let's say you run a, you do a eight mile loop just to see how you, how you perform. Mm -hmm. And so this can be done like on a treadmill stationary or like up on a stationary bike, or it can be done on a track, real world outside where yeah, on a track or on a on a route that this athlete normally does. Um, you do it lifting. Gotcha. So it's extremely. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Versatile. It's, yeah, it's real world. Yeah. For the most part, which is pretty awesome. So it's not it's not going to restrict your your range of motion. So like, I remember when I was in college and we were doing stress testing and, and VO2 max testing. And it was just like, it's so uncomfortable because you've got this big mask on. It's it's a little bit like, first of all, it's uncomfortable. Um, all these tubes, like you, I had to like hug the, less, the left side of the treadmill because if I got into the middle, then it would pull the tube out you, of the machine. You had to run with a tilted head. Yeah, and I remember, remember that. Right, there was this one dude in our class, this was, super disgusting. I'm not even going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But uh, there was so connected to the mask was a, it looked like a, a little test tube that you could screw on and screw off and it was your spit collector. It was your saliva collector. And he went through like two or three of these things. I had never seen somebody salivate that much. It was absolutely <laughs> disgusting. But he was just like, it just picture out of my mind. it was so gross man. So he like filled it up and our professor was like, oh She's like unscrewing it. She's like, oh, we empty this one, get a new one, screw it back on. And then he like filled that one up. I'm like, oh my goodness. I've never seen that before. So, uh, <laughs> by the way, I do clean this after every test. I use medical grade cleaning for it. <laughs> I have three different masks so that we don't use it one after the other. So I wash gotcha. that alcohol in. So it, yeah. it is nice and clean when I do this so thing. What, what all connects with, with this? Can you show us a little yeah, bit sure. more of that? So this... There you go. 
Everyone, get this look on YouTube. This is this is the mask, um, and where I used to test was a cloth mask. So every time you take a breath in, it, uh, it's like touching it, your face. It, it touches you. Sucked in. So this one's a rubber tube with a hard plastic on it, and that's so easy to clean. Nice. Um, and I connect it to the data collector, connects it to the analyzer, and that's yeah. it. And everything is actually online as well. So I collect it, goes online, I send it to, so I can analyze the raw data, mm -hmm. fine, but I send it up to other people to do the reports. I get the report back within 24 hours. Nice. And then discuss it from there. So it's nice. easy. And then go, this goes in a backpack, I have a little backpack on there. Mm -hmm. um, it does restrict movement if you're, um, Six foot four, six foot four, and uh, two hundred and forty pounds. So I am gonna get a, a, a bigger backpack for those kind of people. Nice, and it, it, it just restricts there, but yeah, easy to adjust. Yeah, later on. awesome. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier that because the the industry itself, or let's say the the technology, has advanced so much that now, like, are they doing? Are they using equipment like this now in the research setting or are they still using that old school stuff? You know, I don't know. And I think they're still using the old school stuff. Mm -hmm. um, when I checked out a couple of locations that they are using the old school stuff. Mm -hmm. This unit is called Pinoy, by the way. P-N-O-E, and it fits right because I'm Filipino, it's Pinoy. Uh, but <laughs> Pinoy, P-N-O-E. And actually, anyone can buy it. Mm -hmm. uh, anyone can use it. It's something that's available to anyone, but not a lot of people really know how to use it and analyze it, and not many people have a purpose for it. Yeah. Um, so it is available. Uh, I don't know why other settings are not using it. Maybe they're just used to their setting. They don't want to retrain. Yeah. Um, and I really don't know because this is, I think, it's one of the top of the not top notch yeah. technology gotcha. for for what, for what I do. Uh huh. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, let's say, let's say somebody is a little hesitant. They're not sure if they want to do this or not. They're like, "Hey, I got my activity tracker. I've got my Garmin or my GPS watch. I've got all my data from Garmin, from my Fitness Pal, from Nike Connect, from Strava. From I've got all of that stuff." Why do I need to do this? What's what's the basic pitch that you give to somebody? Well, number one, if they have already have all of that data, they'd want to do this because they're willing to spend the money and time to look at all the data. Mm -hmm. Why not? Um, mm -hmm. And I will go into the prices later on because with me, it's really, I think it's pretty cheap to get it done. Mm -hmm. um, but you're also looking at numbers and not the science behind your body. So most, if most people in that who have those kind of things have goals, what is your metabolism doing as well? One thing that uh, your Strava, your Apple Watch, they can't collect is how you're burning sugar versus fat. Mm -hmm. So is your metabolism really doing good? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's what we look. At. And by the way, wh while I do all of this stuff, I do get the heart rate. So based on your metabolism, breathing frequency, oxygen versus carbon dioxide, carb versus fat burn percentage, mm -hmm. 
and all of that with a heart rate connection. Um, that's more of a test. What you're doing, if you have all your devices, you're, you're analyzing your numbers and your data, but it's not really a true test. Mm -hmm. It's not a true assessment. Mm -hmm. I like to use that word better. Gotcha. Um, of what, what it's for. Yeah. So I think that just explaining it that way is like, it's, it's not, it's not this or that. It's not like, oh, well, since you have all of this stuff, you don't need to do this. It's kind of a, hey, this gives you a personalized view of what your biochemistry is, is currently doing. And that in turn can increase your potential for, uh, for better programming for your training, for better outcomes going forward because now you have some some useful numbers to work it's funny. I had a I had a, a, a doctor this past weekend uh, do his test and he's a lung doctor so very in demand nowadays and he probably understands all of this physiologically how he how it works more than I do mm -hmm. he's probably a lot better than me probably maybe a little better than you um, but when I explain <laughs> the education that I give and the connection that I give to fitness and wellness mm -hmm. with this he was the one that said, huh, I'm learning a lot today. Mm. This is a doctor. Yeah. Um, again, he showed his humility and, and, and yeah. he, he did this test. Now I'm meeting with him later on to give him his actual plan, what he needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. So there, you can always learn stuff Yeah. about yourself. For sure. And, and, and why not? So if I can, I'll, I'll go into the prices a little bit. Please just, do. Go just, to the, just, just to do the resting metabolic assessment. Yeah. Is a hundred bucks, and which is you know people will spend that on a dinner sometimes. Yeah, and um, to get the actual meal plan because I send it to an RD. I'm not, I'm not an RD. Mm -hmm. uh, I send it to someone else. They get it done. Fifty bucks for the for the setup, mm -hmm. and then fifteen bucks a month after that, if you want to keep that going. Gotcha. And by the way, the meal plan they send it to you, and part of the program you click add to cart connects to your Amazon account and sends you the food. Nice. If that's the way you like to do it. Otherwise, yeah. you can just take a picture of it and just buy it at Target, Walmart, wherever you, Aldi, wherever you're gonna get your food. So the the meal plan, like it's sending you recipes, it's sending you, is it sending like, here's your calorie goal, here's your, the number of grams of carbs you need to be eating a day, the number of grams of fat you need to be eating per day, like how, what does that look like? Um, it sends you your, uh, yes, yes, and yes. So your calorie goal, mm -hmm. your uh, protein carb, your macros, protein carbs, and fat. Yeah. And we base it on a, on a week at a time, and then it has just the just, it just really has the raw food on there, and then you can cook it however you want. Once you once you see it on there, you because and it's easier to add on spices. Yeah, gotcha. if you want to as well. Uh -huh. um, but for the most part, it's there. And then day by day, if you under eat, it it could adjust. Your caloric goal uh, for the rest of the week as well. Gotcha. And so you're moving then tracking it somehow. You can track it on there, mm -hmm. or you can track it on. It's attached to My Fitness Pal as well. Perfect. Plug for My Fitness Pal. You, mm -hmm. you, I can input my food on My Fitness Pal, and it will connect to that and put my calories on there, nice. and it will give me the balance still of the protein, carbs, and fat. Gotcha. That's really interesting. It's and and what people like. I have two clients on it right now that like the add to cart on Amazon thing because they're 
so convenient. Business owners, convenient. Yeah. And they, they get it done that way. Yeah, especially with all the pandemic stuff going on. Like, one less trip you got to take. And the, the, active, the active metabolic assessment is 150 by itself. Mm -hmm. You do both of them on the same day, 220. So a little bit of a discount if you do both because, you know, less of a trip charge. But for sure. um, really at 220 for both tests and you get a one month cardio plan. Uh, you, you have me to deal with anytime you want to. I'm, I'm there for you, mm -hmm. uh, for you. And yeah. So, and their and their reports. I'll keep following up. Nice, good stuff. That's awesome. So, um, somebody who's watching or listening right now, they want to reach out to you. How can they find you? How can they follow you? How can they set something like this up? Uh, the fastest way to get a hold of me um, actually would be my cell phone. Uh, <laughs> but I am on uh, Facebook, Alamo Elite Health. On Facebook, I also have a website, AlamoEliteHealth.com. Just plug in your information at the bottom, and then you can. I, I'll, I'll call you back within 24 hours. Nice. I'm getting people on there uh, almost every every day. A couple of people are reaching out, which is nice for business. Awesome. That's great, man. AlamoEliteHealth.com and on Facebook, Alamo Elite Health. Instagram, I'm on there as Alamo Elite Health as well. So gotcha. Alamo Elite Health. Make it simple. Yeah. One I'll, day. I'll include all that in the uh, show description. But is it like, can people go? on there and see examples of, of what the testing is like? Not yet. Not yet. Um, I am ramping that up still. I still have a, I mean, if you look up Panoe, P-N-O-E uh, mm -hmm. on YouTube or uh, Rumble or anywhere. Yeah. Even on just Google it, mm -hmm. you'll see some samples on there and you'll see some videos on there gotcha. as well. I do want to put my own up one day. Sweet, awesome. Well, y'all. Thank you for watching and listening. This has been an awesome conversation. I'm really glad that you were able to come in, Ken. We're probably sitting here for another hour just talking about this stuff. I mean, talk shop, man. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, Y'all, go uh, go follow Ken. And if you're interested in this, reach out to him. Um, I'm sure he'd love to answer all your questions and get you hooked up on this. So, uh, yeah, we will stay in touch. I'm sure I'll have you back yes, sir. again in the future. And we'll talk more about this this stuff and uh yeah awesome so thank you thank you very much for having me in my uh, pleasure man it's been great god bless you guys thanks for listening and uh and watching hopefully watching yeah stay tuned for next week's episode adios awesome